What's up, my friends? Welcome to Good Human, a show on the Cheap Seats Network where we chat about wellness, lifestyle, navigating this crazy world, and just doing our best to be a good human. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode, the last episode of 2021. Just before I plugged in my microphone, I found out that Betty White passed away today, which is just so sad for so many reasons. Like the last day of the year, her 100th birthday was coming up. Anytime there is, you know, some sort of like celebrity death like this, I feel like it always gets people reflecting. Like she was 99. That is so wild. She had such a full life of bringing people laughter and light and it's just so crazy to think about someone even being 99 years old like I can't wrap my head around living that long of a life I'm always very reflective this time of year anyways with like the new year and my birthday is on Monday but this just getting added into it it just really makes you think about life and like what what do you want your life to have looked like if you reach 99 years old. I find it really hard to even imagine what my life is going to look like in 10 years from now. I turn 25 on Monday, but those aren't 25 years of like being an adult, which is just a completely different, you know, way of life than being a kid. I've only been an adult for a handful of years, so it's so hard for me to even imagine being 35, let alone 99, and what I would have wanted to have done in my life at 99 like it's just so so wild to think about but I feel like that's the perfect transition into today's episode because we're doing some reflecting today this is the December chit chat episode um, but I do kind of have a bit of a theme today since we are rolling into 2022 tomorrow In the last couple years, I have much preferred doing more reflecting over the past year than like goal planning for the next year. I used to be such a goal girl, such a goal getter girl boss. If you've listened to any Good Human episode before, you know that that's just like not my vibe anymore. So I really, really enjoy kind of looking back on the past year, thinking about everything I've done happy memories, even like going back and reading like journal entries and stuff. I just really love to reflect on the past year and then set some intentions for the new year. I think setting intentions is a much better way for myself at least to kind of move into the new year. I used to be one of those people that thought they were going to be like a completely different person after the new year and like this was going to be my year and I'm just going to change everything about myself and I'm going to be the person that I've always wanted to be and that's just not realistic, and that doesn't actually end up happening. You can't, like, pre-plan out your life and micromanage all the details and everything that you want to happen in the new year. It feels good in the moment because it feels good to be very idealistic and inspired and thinking of all the happiness and love that's going to come in the new year, which is great. There's surely lots of love and happiness and great things that are heading your way, but at the same time, waking up tomorrow morning is not going to change your entire life. It's nice to have that sort of feeling of a fresh start and a reset, but I like straight up used to think that waking up January 1st of a new year was just somehow going to flip a switch and I was just ready to be this new person. 
So instead of trying to decide who I'm going to be in 2022 by pre-planning it all out, I think I'm just going to let things fly, just going to let things flow and see who I become in 2022. I want to share this book that I got for Christmas because it's very much on this topic and it truly is like changing my life. It's literally called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way That You Think. It is so fantastic. I eat this kind of stuff up. The way it's formatted too is just my cup of tea. Each essay is a couple of pages long. It's so easy to digest and I'll read you some of the titles of these essays because they are just so me. I'm obsessed with this book. Subconscious behaviors that are keeping you from having the life that you want. The psychology of a daily routine. 20 signs you're doing better than you think you are. 10 key things we misunderstand about emotion. Like, do you get the picture? I'm all about stuff like this that kind of gets your wheels turning in your brain and really makes you think about things and reflect. And I feel like this is the perfect book to take into the new year with you if you're really trying to focus on reflecting and learning about life and learning about yourself. I highly recommend this book. I'm only like 10 essays into it and I just, I'm literally so enthralled in it. I feel like I'm gonna read this so quickly and because each little essay is pretty short, it's easy to take in and digest and I wanted to read something from actually the first little essay in the book, which is subconscious behaviors that are keeping you from having the life that you want. It's the very first point and I found it super relevant to New Year's, so let me read it to you. It says, you believe that creating your best life is a matter of deciding what you want and then going after it. But in reality, you are psychologically incapable of being able to predict what makes you happy. Like, whoa. Let that sink in for a sec. I'll read the following paragraph under it. That was like the bolded heading. And then it goes in to say, your brain can only perceive what it's known. So when you choose what you want for the future you're actually just recreating a solution or an ideal of the past. When things don't work out the way you want them to, you think you failed only because you didn't recreate something you perceived as desirable. In reality, you likely created something better, but foreign, and your brain misinterpreted it as bad because of that. Moral of the story, living in the moment isn't a lofty ideal reserved for the Zen and enlightened. It's the only way to live a life that isn't infiltrated with illusions. It's the only thing your brain can actually comprehend. Like, talk about a mic drop as we move into a new year. I love that. I love that so much, and I don't think I ever thought of it that way, but that's so true. How could you possibly know something that you've never done before is going to make you happy? Or how could you possibly predict all of the things in your life that are going to make you happy when you only know the way you feel about things based on what you've already done before in the past? So all that is to say back to my first point, why I'm not really micromanaging and like doing some hardcore goal setting for 2022, because I don't know exactly what's going to make me happy in 2022. And I really don't think happiness is something that is found or earned, especially in the next thing. Like I used to be so big on goals and accomplishing things because I thought that my happiness would somehow come to me through that. So this is one of the first years that I'm not spending like a ton of time writing out all of my hopes and goals, not because I don't have them, but because spending so much time focusing on the future 
I feel like that's exactly how you miss out on everything that's right in front of you. That feeling of never being content and always wanting more when you accomplish something and you're already ready to like move on to the next thing. I'm so exhausted with feeling that way, so I'm just not doing it. I spent like 40 minutes the other day in this new journal that I got for Christmas just writing my intentions for the new year and that feels like enough for me. I know what I want to focus on and I don't need to micromanage every little situation. I think I really like that word a lot better as well, setting intentions and things I want to focus on in the new year rather than having a handful of things that I need to accomplish. I don't need to accomplish anything. There's nothing that I need to do and I can find happiness in every day. It's not going to come to me when I finally do A, B, C, or D. So I wanted to share some of my main focuses for 2022 and I was thinking about it before I hopped on here and I think I could probably sum it up in three main categories and that is mindfulness, gratitude, and flexibility. So starting with mindfulness, being mindful of the way that I live day to day and living in a way that makes me feel my best. I feel like this year I spent a lot of time focusing on getting to know my body more and kind of figuring out what works for me and what doesn't. And now I feel like I have a good grasp on what foods make me feel energized, what time of the day I'm most productive, when I like to work out, the right amount of sleep for me. So this year, coming into 2022, I feel like I can really put those things into practice. And for me, that's the stuff that makes me feel good and content and happy. It's not all these huge milestones and accomplishments and things that I once thought would make me happy. Like, this is the stuff that makes me happy. The day-to-day stuff, focusing on what I'm doing in the present moment is how I find myself be the happiest. So I will be doing more of that in 2022. Next focus is gratitude. And I know I've talked about this before, but gratitude and like especially making gratitude lists, it's something that always seemed really silly to me. Like I know what I'm thankful for, but our bodies brush past so much stuff day to day that you really do sometimes need to point out all of the small stuff that you're grateful for, even if it seems obvious to you at the surface. It does so much good for you deep down. And I find especially starting the day with something like that really sets the tone for the day. You put your mind in like a good mood to start the day when you're thinking about a couple of things that you're grateful for and it doesn't have to be a huge long list. I usually just do like three things every morning and I jot them down and you already then started the day with something positive. I think it also kind of helps train your brain to see the positive and stuff. And I know toxic positivity is something that a lot of people talk about and and I totally think that's a thing. But I think there's a difference between pretending to be okay all the time and being positive or optimistic. I think there's definitely a way to balance out, you know, living life and dealing with life and everything that comes with it and all the hard stuff while still having an optimistic view on things. It doesn't mean that you're ignoring your problems or that you're not facing things. I think it just kind of provides you with a framework to see life in a certain way. And with the gratitude stuff, you start your day with a couple things that you're grateful for. You're already pointing your brain in that direction to see the good and stuff. And I think that definitely translates into other areas of your day, which then translates into other areas of your week and your life. And before you know it, 
you're seeing more of the good in things before you're seeing the bad in things. So gratitude is definitely a huge focus for me as we move into the new year. And the last one is flexibility because everything is always changing. And if we've learned anything in the past two years, it's that life will throw the craziest curveballs. So being able to adapt is really important. And even how I just said that, you know, I feel like this year I really figured out what works for my body. There are still so much that could change and I have to be flexible with that and open to new things. So I am carrying with me into the new year a very open and adaptable energy, even though it is literally one of like the hardest things for me to do. It is definitely an area that I will be continuing to focus on in the new year. You know what they say, the only thing in life that is certain is change. I don't think that's exactly what the quote is, but you know what I'm trying to say. So if you're not really feeling the vibe of New Year's resolutions and goal setting and thinking about how you're going to be a completely new person and this is going to be your year, I would recommend just setting some areas of focus and intentions because it feels really good. You get your brain in the right headspace and you still get to feel that sort of inspiring and motivated feeling that comes with the new year without it being unrealistic and without sort of setting yourself up to feel bad come the end of January because I've absolutely been there setting all these goals and all these new habits that I'm going to do and then they stick for a couple weeks and February 1st rolls around and I'm not doing any of the things that I said I was going to do. So setting realistic intentions is the way that I'm going this year and I'm loving it. And I'm really open to whatever the new year has in store for me. I feel like that little blurb about not being able to predict what's going to make you happy is both kind of haunting and comforting at the same time. At first, it hit me and I was like, what do you mean? Like, are are none of the goals and the plans and the things that I want in life actually going to make me happy? But then at the same time, it's very comforting in the sense that you don't have to plan all that stuff out necessarily. And I think that little blurb helps me even more so to be more present in this moment and not always thinking about the next thing. I used to get sort of trapped in the cycle of the next thing, especially throughout college. Like you work so hard and then when the test is done or the presentation or the award is won, you have that like hit of dopamine followed by a crash and you're already on to the next thing. It got to the point, I was like, what am I doing this for? I'm literally racing through life from one accomplishment to the next, for what? So as I move into 2022, I know what focuses I have and I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going to be mindful and grateful and flexible because let's be honest, I don't know what 2022 has in store for me. No one knows what the next day week, month, year has in store for them and I can't predict that and I can't know if it's going to be my year but I can control my day-to-day and I can find joy and contentment in all the little small things. So here is to closing out 2021, entering a new chapter, being open to new opportunities and enjoying the present moment, finding happiness where you are right now. Something I do recommend doing, I did this on Valentine's Day last year, which is still a fun thing to do, but if you want to do it now, New Year's is a great time to do it. Write yourself a letter. Write a letter to your future self. It can say whatever you want, things that you're proud of yourself for this year, things that you hope for the next year, and then you get to read it in a year. 
and I love reflecting and I love looking back on stuff. So if you've never written a letter to your future self, I highly recommend and it's a perfect time to do that right now. Since this is our little monthly chit-chat, despite this having a bit of a focus on heading into the new year, I did want to go over my December favorites, which are all going to be skincare related because I told you guys I would include some skincare stuff in this episode. So for a little bit of background, I've always had pretty sensitive skin and I struggled with breakouts here and there throughout college and I really think it was mainly due to stress. They always eventually cleared up. I felt like I finally found what was working best for my skin once I graduated college and into 2020. And then summer of 2020, my skin was the best, the healthiest it's ever been. And then all of a sudden, I started getting breakouts. Started off kind of small and I wasn't too worried about it, but then they weren't going away and they were getting worse. And I started to get like the really painful big ones underneath your skin. I was only breaking out around my jawline and like basically if you drew a line across your face where your nose is I don't think I've gotten more than like two pimples above that line since summer of 2020. It was always below that which if you do any sort of research indicates hormonal imbalances and that's hormonal acne. So I was like okay I don't know what would be causing this and I don't know what to do about it. I saw a couple different kinds of doctors. I started doing a whole bunch of research. Literally nothing was working. I changed the foods I was eating. I changed all my skincare products to just really, really simple stuff. It would get a little bit better like one week and then the next week it would get 10 times worse. And if you've ever had those big painful like cystic acne pimples under your skin, not only is it really frustrating to look at and to not know what's happening, but they hurt. Like, it's very painful. I was really upset about not understanding why it was happening and therefore not being able to kind of figure out a root cause and fix it. The only thing that came to me in the research I was doing and from talking to people was to try to get off of the birth control pill. I know a lot of people go on it to help with their skin. I had been on it for nine years at this point and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is my body's way of telling me something. Like, I've kind of been wanting to get off of it for a while anyways. I want to see what my body's able to naturally do. And through researching all of that, I know a lot of people have skin problems when they get off the pill because your hormones are going crazy and they're trying to rebalance. And so I was prepared to probably have my skin get a little bit worse before it got better. So I got off the pill and it didn't help my skin. I am glad I got off of it, which is a whole nother story, but I've just, I feel like I've opened a door into a whole lot of stuff about hormones that I just, I was never taught and I didn't know. So that is another story for another day. But, you know, a month goes past, two months go past, three months, and my skin is still not clear. I just remember when all of this happened too, thinking that like, you know, time, time heals all. There's no way that I'm still going to be dealing with this a year from now. And then summer came and I still was struggling with my skin. It was the worst it's ever been this summer. Nothing the dermatologist gave me helped. Like, I just, I felt like I was at such a loss and I never thought I would still be dealing with it a year later. So again, I took back to the internet and I was like, what could I possibly do that I have not tried? Basically, it was between trying to find some sort of 
hormonal specialist doctor that could run some sort of labs on me to see if something within me is messed up, or I could try one more topical solution that I hadn't tried yet, which was Curology. Because that's the most frustrating thing about skin problems is you don't know why they're happening. So I didn't know if it was something that I could fix from the outside or if it was something I needed to fix from the inside. Spoiler alert, I think it's a little bit of both, but I decided to try Curology. I've heard people talk about it. You get the first month for free, you just pay shipping, and essentially what you do is you fill out a skin quiz. It's very detailed, like you tell them everything you've tried before, if it worked for you, if it didn't your skin type, what your problems are, you submit photos, and then a licensed dermatologist creates a custom formula. They also have moisturizers and cleansers, so I just got everything that they recommended. I got my custom formula, I got the moisturizer and the cleanser. This was the fastest my skin has cleared up out of everything that I've tried. My skin got worse for the first like two weeks, which they do warn you that it could do that, and after that I started seeing results every week afterwards. It was getting a little bit better and a little bit better. They say it can take up to like 12 weeks to fully work, so I just kept using it. I wasn't trying to introduce any other new products because I really just wanted to focus on Curology and let it do its thing. I would say my skin probably cleared up like 85% of the way. The one side of my face, I don't think I have had any active breakouts on in a while, but the right side of my face I was still seeing new breakouts pop up, so I went back to the internet to see if there was anything else that I could incorporate that was going to help this out. I was feeling like Curology was kind of plateauing for me. I still kept using it. I still do use it, but I was like, I need something else here. Like, we're hitting a, a roadblock. So I started watching videos about the difference between how Americans treat acne versus how Korean skincare treats acne. It's very interesting how differently we approach acne. Over here, you often see products that like dry out your skin. You think that you need to dry out the acne and the breakouts versus in Korean skincare, they focus a ton on hydration and moisture. And I was like, you know what? I have dry skin to begin with and I'm very light-handed on the amount of product that I use because I've always been afraid that I'm going to like clog my pores or something. I feel like that's what I grew up thinking that acne is caused by your pores getting clogged by stuff. So why would I put more product on my face? That's going to make it worse, right? At this point, I have nothing to lose. So I'm willing to try anything. And I started using more moisturizer. I started wearing like a thick cream when I go to bed and I started to see improvements. And I was like, did I just figure this all out? Is my skin literally just dehydrated? Like, is that what's been causing all of these issues? Now, I'm not fully convinced that there still isn't some sort of hormonal situation going on within me, and that's definitely something that I'm still looking into, but I started reading up more on your moisture barrier, and there's something called transepidermal water loss, which is basically like the amount of water that evaporates off your skin through your skin. When you're losing too much water and moisture out of your face, it can mess up your skin barrier, which that can be the cause of a lot of dry skin and acne issues. So that was a long story to get to where we are now, but over the last couple weeks, I've been focusing so heavily on my moisture barrier, repairing it, and make sure I'm really hydrating my skin, and I will share how I've been doing that. 
like I mentioned, I'm still using Curology. So at night, I will cleanse my face, double cleanse. I take an oil cleanser first. I use the oil cleanser from Biosance. It is my all-time fave. And then I take the Curology water-based cleanser to wash off everything from my face. Then I use the Curology custom formula, which usually has the actives in it. So some sort of like retinol product, like your salicylic acid, stuff like that. Everybody's is custom, but that's what targets the breakouts. But that's also what can dry out your skin. So from there, I am hydrating after that. And sometimes I don't even use the custom Curology formula every single night because I'm noticing that it might be a little bit too strong sometimes. We're taking that Korean skincare approach and we are hydrating the face. I found a product. Listen, don't let me lose you on this. It's snail mucin. Yes, you heard that correct. The secretion of snails. It's from a Korean skincare brand. It's C-O-S-R-X. I have heard so many people rant and rave about the snail mucin stuff that they have. I got the essence which is the first thing that you'll use after you cleanse, or in my case, after the Curology formula. It is kind of like a serum. It's like a sticky serum. So I pat that into my face. I've been using that for like two weeks now. It's it's fantastic. Like I am literally obsessed with it. I use it day and night. My skin looks so much more hydrated. So I'm going to keep on using it. I literally don't care what I'm smearing on my face. If it's helping my skin, I'm gonna keep using it. Snail secretion or not. Not to mention it was also pretty affordable. I think it was like 20 some dollars. After that, I'm using Curology's moisturizer, which I have the one that's a little bit lighter. It's again more of like a serum texture compared to like a cream. So I pat that in, let my skin absorb that up, and then I follow that up with the CeraVe, CeraVe, moisturizing cream. It's the stuff that comes in that like giant tub. It lasts me so long. I use it on my entire body. That's originally why I started buying it because I was using it as a body lotion, but then I started using it on my face at night, especially in the winter, and my skin is so quick to soak that up, and I think that's how I'm realizing that I know something's messed up with my moisture barrier because I put so much on my face and my skin literally just sucks it up. So from there, Some days I leave it at that and then I sleep with a humidifier on so that I'm still getting, you know, that water back into my face as I sleep. Or the other thing that I have been absolutely obsessed with lately is slugging. What is up with the snails and the slugs? I don't know, but it is working. This was something that I have heard of before, but I was so afraid to try it again because I thought it would clog my pores. I slather Aquaphor all over my face. There's different products you can do it with. You can do it with Vaseline. You can do it with Aquaphor. I would do research into what kind of product you're going to use. But essentially, it locks everything in. The Aquaphor is too big to absorb into your skin. So it it kind of just acts as a barrier. The Aquaphor isn't going into your skin. Like you wake up in the morning and your face is still slimy and shiny and you have to wash it off. But that's what holds in all of your products underneath it. It's helping to lock in the hydration in my skin. It's helping with my breakouts. It's helping with texture and even like fine lines. And all I do in the morning is take a little micellar water and wipe it off. So that is the 411 on what I have been doing lately to repair my moisture barrier because I'm thinking that might be the missing key that I've needed. 
because for so long, anytime that I have skin issues and breakouts and stuff, I'm so quick to try to just dry it all out and I have naturally dry skin to begin with and I feel like that was just making it so much worse. So I am going to continue using Curology. I'm going to continue with my snail mucin and I'm going to continue slugging and we're going to see what happens. I'm feeling really good about it. Like I said, there's still a whole bunch of other stuff that I have been doing to help with my hormones as well, especially just since getting off the pill. There's definitely things that you should do to support your body in that scenario, but also just in your day-to-day. Like, the female hormones are so incredibly complicated and interesting, and I've learned so much in the last year about them, so there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm doing for my hormones that, again, plays a role in your skin. And also, stay tuned for perhaps a future episode on hormone health with an amazing internet friend of mine. So, little teaser, stay tuned for that if that is something that you're interested in. But that was a long story for me just to say that my December favorites are Curology, still been loving her, the snail mucin essence, and slugging. Loving all of that stuff. Heal my moisture barrier. Give me the hydration. And of course, I will keep you updated on my skincare journey. That wraps it up for today's episode for the December chit chat and for 2021. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am wishing you all a year full of happiness and health and light. And whatever comes your way in 2022, you got this. Thank you for tuning in and for supporting Good Human. It really, really means the world to me. And with that, I will talk to you guys in 2022. See ya!